Hey everybody, this is Jack Bayer, and uh, today we'll be talking about, on this podcast of Sink or Swim, year-by-year uh, year maintaining balance in medical school. So again, my name's Jack Bayer. Let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rob Trenchell. Jackie Mirza. And I'm Josh Dodge. So yeah, so wellness uh, throughout the four years of medical school is definitely something that many people struggle with, I included. So... Just going on, how uh, how do you guys think you've maintained wellness throughout medical school? My first year, my introduction was rough, I would say. Um, there was a big transition. Like, you know, in like med- medical school, you, you're really excited when you make it. And you, you hear it's rough, um, but you don't know really what that entails. And it... It is a lot more than I anticipated, you know, going into it. Um, just the amount of the volume of knowledge you need to know and, and the amount of time it takes to, to go into it and really what it looks like to dedicate, to really dedicate, you know, large portions, very large, like like more than a normal work week's worth of, of time to studying. Um, it's definitely something I wasn't used to, uh, and I think it's something that most med students aren't used to, um, because most med students are the kinds of students that do tend to do well in undergrad, and you know, um, that mentality of kind of cruising can't really apply to med to med school. Um, so, my first semester is probably like the the least well balanced. Um, I probably did like almost every, all my time was spent studying, um, which was a mistake, I think. Um, and then I gradually got better, I would say. Um, and by, th- by third year, I was making some serious trades <laughs> for my wellness, like academics versus wellness. And I was like, and I was trading them, you know, and, but, and, it, and, it, and it helped my mentality a lot um, to do that. But I, I'm also, you know, I'm not going for uh, a gunning I'm not I'm not going for like a specialty you have to gun for mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of like a rough like description of how my wellness journey has gone it started out really rough and then it's got, gradually gotten better and fourth year is amazing oh yeah wellness. fourth year is great <laughs> fourth year is great once, so. once you get through all the tough stuff of fourth year it's like I can't believe I'm even in med school right now <laughs> yeah well that's for our school and that's for probably a, a number of other schools but there are many out there who are still grinding through rotations like and as umd definitely like like hats off because or if you front load fourth year then you're good for the rest of fourth year really yeah but that is it, it's not the norm yeah i mean i have a gen surge rotation starting next week so uh it's definitely going to be going back into into the bomb shelters for a bit well you're a little bit of a an interesting case mr i took six ortho rotations yeah that that doesn't <laughs> yeah help you're gonna doesn't help the cause. destroy your gin surge it's gonna it's gonna help it's gonna help yes um, <laughs> but at the same time it's not really a field i want to go into <laughs> right and the point i'm trying to make is that like this is like our next six months or five months look uh, they're very very slow at least in comparison to the first three and a half years of medical school so our wellness 
can be like all the three and a half years that we tried to put into wellness that we failed at hmm. um, can be put into this next five months. Oh, it's going there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah which is going to be very nice. Um, but that's not it's not the case for a lot of schools and a lot of students. So this is this is hats off to you guys also for being able to handle the back half of fourth year and its continued rigor. But um, hopefully some of the ideas that we present today uh, on how to approach wellness will help you as well. I think it's also important to visit on like what was what was almost like your lowest point in med school because I feel like everybody has highs and lows and there's definitely going to be a, a very low point. Not definitely, but I feel like a lot of people have a very low point in medical school. I think mine was probably towards... I'd have to say towards the end of CPR was my, the end of first year was a, was a very burnout moment for me. And especially like transitioning from, we had to transition to online med school, uh, due to COVID. So that made things different, definitely difficult. Um, you know, just being inside all day long. The only time I went outside was to walk my dog. Didn't really see anyone, but I'd like to hear about like what you got when you guys had a low point in med school. I have an obvious one. Yeah. It it hit me immediately that it was a low point. And it was in uh fundamentals. Cuz I um I I was coming from DC and I I worked a you know kind of a Monday through Friday kind of job. And uh in also, the weekends I, Just let me interrupt for those of you Oh yeah, that's fine. Sorry. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, fundamentals is the introductory course to our medical school. It's basically just shotgunning a ton of information just off the bat, they're very loosely connected. Um, and it's kind of where you figure, find out that it's where you get humbled real quick, that your pre-medical successes in undergrad don't really correlate to being amazing in medical school. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was a rough course. Um, and I was used to, used to having time on the weekend, leisure time, where I could go and, and um, like have a few drinks with uh, friends or something like that. And then when I got into med- medical school, um, in order to keep up with the pace, my, like I said, like my initial strategy was basically just work all the time. And so after like a couple months of that, um, I was very burnt out and um, I was like, you know what? It was 11 o'clock at night on a Friday. I was studying, and I was like, I, I, I think I should just deserve to just chill for a second. And I was like, I didn't have any plans because everyone I knew was – I was moving – I was new to the area, and everyone I knew was, you know, studying hard because uh, they're all med students. So um, I was like, well, I'll just go grab, like, a few beers at the gas station, and I'll just kind of hang out with my roommates and, and, like, have a few beers. And then I bought – bought the beers and then my uh my roommates weren't even available and so I was like all right well I just like sit on the porch and kind of drink a few beers and just play on YouTube or something like that and then so I did that and then I you know I went to sleep and I woke up the next day and my roommate was like Josh what what were you up to last night and I was like no I was just like hanging out on the porch having a few beers and then he's like yeah but have you seen the porch and we went out there and it was like it was like a so I think nine or 10 different, maybe 11 beers. I drank all of them. And I was like, I had no idea. Like I wasn't even paying attention because I was just kind of trying to relax. And like, that's how much it took to just relax. And I was like, this is not healthy. So I was like a, 
yeah. an obvious like low point. Yeah, thanks for thanks for opening up about that. See, like, so, <laughs> no, I mean that's definitely a personal thing to open up about, and and it's definitely hard to do as a medical student because you always have to keep that like professional hat on. But even so, outside of medical school, we have our own lives and our own like personal struggles and. That sounded like a like a difficult little low point that you hit there. Yeah, yeah. It well, it definitely was. That's what I say. It was a very obvious um, low point, and it also kind of told me like you need to back off a little bit because you've got so much stress build up that you didn't even notice that how much it took just to to like relax a little bit. Um, and I did back off. I backed off some there. Yeah. So that's a. Um, a good story. Does anyone else have any, not stories like that, but stories in general about kind of a low point they hit in med school? I'm trying to think of one. I remember, I remember you and fundamentals, you lost quite a bit of weight. I wouldn't call, (laughs) I wouldn't call that a low point. Um, I would say that that was just something that I had to, uh, like change about myself. I had to change who I was a little bit and that's not low. I mean, I had a, I had a a whole career before I started medical school and I was like very aware that once I started medical school, things were going to be put on the back burner. And once I got here, things were, and you realize early that what is like less important and not less important to you, but you don't have to prioritize things as much and that gets weeded out before you even know it. So a lot of people ask, like, how are you able to handle all the coursework? How are you able to, like, do, like, succeed in, like, with such, like, 28-hour days, right? Like, there's not enough time in a day in medical school. And you just accidentally put things on the back burner. Yeah. Lower priority for uh, some cert- some aspects of life. And one of them for me was lifting weights. And that's fine because it just wasn't what I needed to do. I It wasn't that I didn't want to do it. Of course, I wanted to do it, but it wasn't what I needed to do. So I think that, at least in, in my eyes, an idea of wellness, generalized wellness, is knowing what you need to do to succeed and be okay with that. And one of the things that I had to do was learn that what I'd like to do previously needed to take a little bit of a backseat. And that to me was a source of wellness, which I think is why I didn't really have a low point. I came in knowing that this was going to be it. This was going to be what I have to do. And to me, that was, that was kind of how I, how I handled wellness. That was my wellness. That's good. Was there any, oh, what were you about to ask? I was going to say, we had one thing that, that kind of formed as the beginning of med school started going. And it was, it was very much a savior was we had a little group of guys that would get together and play golf. And it was great because in med school, and especially if, if you're not from the area, which some of us are not from the area, you don't know that many people in the area, and you don't have time to go make friends. And then so what you're, you got is med students um, who are fantastic. Um, but the thing is a lot of them are often studying when you're like, so if you just take, take time to, your, to yourself, 
well, like I was saying earlier, like all your friends might be studying and then, so you don't really have, and have anyone to hang out with. And so, um, what we had was a group of guys that were in all, we're all in the same class and we all, um, like would take time at the same time. We'd all take, you know, half a day off or something like that and, and go golfing. And it was just a way to like hang out, um, with, some friends and like relax and kind of talk about whatever's going on and it was uh i we kept that going pretty much like all of med school i say well there was a point for me i remember in fundamentals the first time we went golfing and it was the day after a test like the very next day and for the next like two months i was like oh my god i'm so behind because of this one day i took off (laughs) and like that and in hindsight, I shouldn't have reacted like that. Like I should have been like taking advantage of the opportunity to, you know, go golfing with a, a group of my classmates and, you know, unwind and let some steam off. But I like held on to that for the next like two months until my exam. And then I was fine on my exam. But, you know, just taking a step back and realizing like if you miss a day, it's not the end of the world, even though in the moment it may feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of going back to what I was saying about, like, putting things on the back burner. Um, that was something that Jack decided to put on the back burner, clearly, was, was like, I guess, social interaction, which is fine. No, people do it. It's, like, not, a, not an issue. I mean, I did that, too. But another thing that I would put on the back burner was some some things, and this was certainly not healthy, I would say more unhealthy than, like, kind of social reclusion is um sleep a lot of people lose a lot of sleep in medical school and i think a lot of it has to do with like there's there's the idea of what what was it like something procrastination productive procrastination something like that Uh, yeah maybe um it's like when you work so hard over the course of the day and you're working for like you know 18 hours and you don't have to work that long every day as a medical student. You you find that the amount of time that works for you and you do it. And again, that's a that's a type of wellness. But you work very long hours, and something's got to give, right? You you decide to shower or eat or sleep or do all of those or none of those. Um, I mean, being hygienic is obviously like a, like a greatly positive thing. You should be doing that. But one thing that I would lose was sleep hygiene because I wanted to have fun on my time off. I would like play video games or I would go hang out with people or I would just make it so I was being socially productive or um, productive for myself, right? In a fun way um, during my time off as opposed to sleeping. So that that was an issue for me was, was the sleep hygiene. Yeah, I think everybody finds like a non-negotiable thing that they're not willing to compromise. And for me, I was not willing to compromise my sleep hygiene. So I was a little opposite on Rob of Rob on that. I am totally against all-nighters for myself. I never found them to be productive for me. And I set a bedtime, like a strict bedtime of 9.30 every single night. Weekends, weekdays, I was going to bed at like 9.30. So in order to do that, There were things that I had to sacrifice to be able to get in enough studying, but I was very happy with my sleep hygiene. And I think that was definitely a huge benefit to myself. Yeah. 
and there's going to be different benefits for different people, right? Like me and Jack were opposite on that, but I found it beneficial for me to, you know, add some fun into the day. And plus like you don't have to go to bed at nine 30. You don't have to pull all nighters. You don't have to do any of that. You do what's right for you. That's really, that's really the key here. And you find where you sacrifice where needed. Did y'all have any like non-negotiable, you know, wellness things that you like had to do? Like for me, it was sleep. Um, I think something for me that I tried to prioritize was like keeping my friends from prior to med school and kind of making sure that I maintain those relationships as I could. So I have a couple of friends um, from college, but I try to at least hop on FaceTime with them for like an hour or two uh, most weeks just to kind of catch up on their life, hear about people who aren't in medicine um, and make sure that those relationships are kind of maintained and that they aren't dropped. And for me, that was a non-negotiable Um, But I think something that I've kind of learned throughout med school is like being intentional with the free time that you have. And like I had a job during med school, so I feel like I had to budget a lot of my time to say that like, um, you know, if I I have a couple minutes of downtime, I might use that to uh, do some essay editing or something like that. Um, And then, but at 9 p.m., I'm going to turn off my devices, I'm not going to do any more work, and I'm just going to go watch a show, or I'm going to go call my friends, or I'm going to cook an elaborate meal that's going to turn out terribly, but I just want to cook and do something that's not related to medicine and kind of being intentional about that free time. So it's not like a, it doesn't become time wasted, it becomes like this is dedicated free time where I'm going to turn off my brain and not focus on school. And I feel like having that um, kind of mindset about the leisure time I spent made me feel less guilty about it and made me look forward to it and um, I think helped my wellness in a big way. I totally agree. I think getting your mind off of things and the, the, like the like the things that you really need to do is super important for like resetting your brain. Like look at even like having families, right? Like it's very stressful to have a kid, but when the kid goes to bed, you know, the parent goes and does what they want to do, be it watch shows or like, you know, hang out, whatever it might be. It happens in every aspect of life where you need to work really hard. And this is this is one of them. You can't just grind yourself into the into the dirt. You got to be very intentional with your free time. Jackie, I remember you contributed to the whole class as wellness with your cooking. Oh, thank you. <laughs> there would always be a huge it. morale boost. There would always be it. It's like, it was the cookies that thank I remember you. so vividly. I um, love to bake. <laughs> yeah. Was cooking kind of your one of the big things that you would do in your intentional free time? Yeah, it's always been something that I've liked to do and something that I, I feel like I'm a work in progress about. I love to bake. I love to do kind of experimental cooking. And uh, I I find a lot of joy in the act of cooking and the act of putting together meals and researching meals and whatnot so just a second hey everybody jack here again uh we got interrupted for a brief moment we were kicked out of our pbl room but we are back and i think what we were talking about was jackie's cookies thank you for that jack (laughs) (laughs) um i didn't i don't really think i have much more to say other than i think for a lot of people uh cooking and baking and making food is a is a great way to kind of help maintain wellness and also make sure that we're eating um so find something that works for you make sure that you don't skip as many meals as you can but also um just in terms of wellness i think 
a lot of the wellness activities people have end up becoming things that you'll talk about in your interviews too. So um, having little hobbies and things that you do with your time um, can benefit you in that way, if nothing else. That's true. On that topic, I remember we were, we were discussing like non-negotiables. And Rob, you were mentioning earlier that you had a lot, like a lot of your wellness involved, like reducing um, some of your extracurricular activities. Were there any extracurricular activities that you thought, like, I need to maintain this one thing, or no? You went head. In, you just. I would. I would say in. no. So what I what I did was I like tried my hardest to be adaptable while in school, and I adapted to whatever my body needed or whatever my mind needed at the time. Right. If I was dying of sleep deprivation, then I would just sleep, sleep. Instead, I would cut it out early and I would sleep for num like an additional number of hours. Or if I didn't need sleep, then I would, you know, crank up the PlayStation and play, play a couple hours of video games with some guys that I haven't talked to in a long time. Or if I needed just social interaction at all, I would go hang out with friends or find a way somehow to like be with someone else for a period of time. And this was all based off of what I needed at that period of time. There was never any non-negotiables. There was never anything that I needed to do no matter what or need or like couldn't have gone without, couldn't sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Everything was very up in the air. Everything was uh, i guess compromise worthy except for the studies the and studies yeah the studies again the, it wouldn't be like we're stopping at this time every day it would be maybe today we stop a little earlier maybe tomorrow we stop a little later maybe you woke up later than normal so you go you go a little later into the night or whatever it might be you just the way that i see it i think medical school life in general you just have to be very adaptable in order to succeed. And in medical school, I think that is like a, a perfect example of that being very adaptable. Think about what we have to do on a daily basis, monthly basis, I would say. In medicine, in general, we go from one rotation to the next rotation. Those rotations are not related whatsoever. Yeah. We have to be very able to like turn on a dime and operate accordingly to something that we hadn't been doing or something that is arguably the opposite of something that we just mastered. So it, it can get really stressful, but you just have to be very able to change course. Yeah. Like it takes, it took me like a year to really get used to the, the pre-clerkship curriculum. And then by the time I did, a few months later, we're getting thrown into clerkships. Then I finally got used to that. A few months later, I had to add on to doing that in different states, driving all over the country. And now, in a few months, I'm going to have to get used to being a resident. That was, I think, one of the more stressful parts of med school for me was, like, you get a job or something like that, <clears throat> and the first couple, like month or two is kind of rough because you're, you're new in the job, you don't really know what's going on, and you're in a constant state where everything is new and you're learning. And it's... it's um, really stressful because you, you basically can't put anything on autopilot. Um, and med school to me seemed a lot like that and just like perpetually. Like you're, you're constantly, um, you're, 
if you get used to, you know, the kidney, it, you only had, you know, two weeks to learn it anyway. And then so you're on to the, the heart or you're on to the brain or something like that. And then with clerkships, you finally feel like you understand how to take a history. And then now you're doing psych where there's nothing similar about the histories. And so you're constantly in the state where everything is new and you're constantly learning like large chunks of information. And you never like you never allow yourself to kind of get into any kind of groove professionally, um, and th- having that for like three and a half years was uh, was a lot, and it was probably one of the more stressful parts of med school for me. It was just that I, I never had, and I I don't think we really get the opportunity to kind of turn that on where you start to feel like you're in a groove again until like middle of residency or something like that. I would argue that medicine in general is very much like that it's there there's always a there's always a corner that you have to turn and you don't know what's down that next pathway except for maybe when you're like 50 and have your own practice or whatever and like it's the same patients coming in all the time or whatever i don't even know what that looks like yeah but can't even fathom you can't it. even fathom it because like intern year is going to be a complete change from fourth year i know that for a fact and then same with second year is going to be a complete change from intern year third year complete change i imagine the second half of third year is probably going to be pretty similar to like maybe first half of fourth year where it was like the easiest part just uh, not oper not as an operator obviously especially if you're doing something like ortho you have to be very you know with it at all times but like mentally it's like i can do this like i'm here it's no big deal or like i'm applying soon it's no big deal we're gonna make it out and then you're either a fellow or an attending and you're new and you have a bunch of these new patients or these new responsibilities that basically make you at the bottom of the totem pole again hierarchically there's always like gonna be a corner there's always gonna be something where in whatever period of time two weeks four weeks one year three years six years there's going to be a corner to turn and that's something that really takes a lot out of you it's very stressful it's really hard to do because most i don't want to like speak for every other industry out there but i feel like medicine is kind of unique in that way where there's always something new to either learn something new to do new to pick up and it's really important that throughout that time frame where you are incredibly stressed, there is potentially like a tiger waiting for you once you turn that corner. You don't know what's around the corner. It could be something that ruins your life. It could be something that starts your life. It's, it, it's, there's beauty in the unknown, I agree, but there's also, you have to be very aware of how to tackle that personally. And that's why wellness is so important, especially in medicine. Yeah. Because there's remember, always, always something that is unknown. So you got to maintain a positive known at all times. That's my thought. I remember back in first year, there was a time that they introduced us to Headspace a meditation app. And I actually did a few of those meditations with you. You did. What'd you think of Headspace? I liked it. I actually. Not, uh, spon- not sponsored. Not sponsored. Right. Not sponsored. That's right. Shameless plug. Still not sponsored. <laughs> Um, I liked it a lot because it was, it was new. It was something that I hadn't really done before. I didn't really believe in it or whatever. Cause like I had, wasn't familiar with it. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, let's just try it. That's, that's me. Let's all let's try something new, right? <clears throat> whatever. If someone likes it. I might like it too. So we did it. And just like the idea of 
being just with yourself and like thinking about essentially nothing and just like being very present, just being in the present, being in the right now. That was something that like Headspace kind of forced on you in that five minutes, I guess, or like suggested that you do in that five minutes. And maybe it did have a big impact because that's how I try to live my life nowadays, right? It's like, just focus on the here and now, this day to day, day to day. And I enjoyed it. Well, yeah. what, did, what did you think? I mean, I remember the times I was doing Headspace. I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> but unfortunately, I didn't maintain continuing doing Headspace Same. religiously. But I think if that's something that you're early in your medical career or whenever you can look into and maybe that could be a potential thing that would really help out your wellness is just taking five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day to just sit down and meditate. And if you don't know how to meditate because there's a true art to it, then you can use a resource like Headspace or whatever other resources are out there to really teach you how to be in the moment. Was that something that the, the NSUMD had like, or there was like a teacher or professor who had like suggested that. Yeah. Dr. Templer. Okay. Yeah. It, it was, I, th I like the idea nowadays that like all these institutions, especially medically are really like trying to push the wellness initiative. And while some people might not believe in the wellness initiative, it's very, it's very like common that it's seen as almost a joke or it's seen as something that's less important or something that like is, is almost in the way. Um, I like the idea that it's just there, that all of these institutions are trying their best to make a super stressful industry just a little bit more bearable. Yeah, mm -hmm. very uh, laudable, laudable goals. Yeah, um, I agree with that for sure. Uh, it'd be good if there was a way, a better way to navigate it because the Traditional way seems like it's very stressful and kind of everybody, um, and the the medical culture can get a little um, over demanding. And I think that's <clears throat> something about our generation that's particularly like what, what we're really bringing to the workforce in many ways is kind of that emphasis on balance mm -hmm. and and um, and really taking your personal um um what needs taking your personal needs seriously at the negotiation table when you discuss like job expectations and stuff mm -hmm. um so that you can kind of not only be a more productive worker but but you know happier and more fulfilled by your work so when i was on my psychiatry rotation <clears throat> the residents had a wellness day <laughs> and their wellness day was just taking the day off so that's great. Yeah. That <laughs> sounds very nice. Well. <laughs> yeah. Like just taking the full day off. So if I were to critique the modern wellness initiatives, I would say like giving a list of resources or a list of activities that you could potentially do. And we're going to give you the time to actually get them done rather than kind of just like you sit on, <clears throat> you sit two hours on zoom and you talk about the activities that you already have been neglecting the time to do. Mm -hmm. So it's like two hours are spent saying like, oh, well, you could use these two hours to go on a run, but we could spend these two hours talking about how you don't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 go ahead. I was gonna say, I think importantly, wellness looks different for everyone and the amount of wellness that people need and the quality quality and quantity of wellness that people need differs. There's that analogy of like, everybody's holding a cup, but 
out with their arms outstretched, but one person's cup is full and one person's cup has like a drop in it. And you're going to say both of them are doing the same thing, but one person's arm is a lot more tired because yeah. people have different things on their plate. People become fatigued in different ways. People become fatigued more quickly than you do. Maybe more people, maybe some people need an hour, maybe some people need a day. Mm. And I think that it's hard to kind of institutionalize that <laughs> and make it something, make a blanket statement about this is what everyone needs because everyone needs different things. Like you mentioned headspace, which is like sitting and intentionally meditating. But I think that like, Cooking for me is kind of like a moving meditation. Mm -hmm. That's like something I do to kind of clear my head. And I think, and that looks different for everyone. So I think just. Uh, yeah, current, current, uh, current wellness initiatives seem to be like a one size fits all type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, uh, there's, it's what Josh said. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm having trouble finding the words here, but I'll use what you said. It's hard to navigate that idea of like, wellness especially at like the institutional level because if you do give everybody like you said those two hours back what if you do need a day what if you only needed 15 minutes you know you have to almost standardize it which is a shame because personally my wellness is not painting you know what i mean but like if you go out for now for now <laughs> might, it might be eventually but you know if i join a residency program and they're like we're gonna do a wellness day and everybody's gonna go paint for two hours, I'm gonna be like, I'd prefer to work. Yeah. I'll just be in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know I know a lot of students that are currently seeking out resources in person that like love those whole like I'm gonna take two hours and talk about things that I could do in my spare time. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it's good that that's there. It's it's good that the <laughs> the option to like have that conversation with your with yourself or with others is there, and I like that from an institutional standpoint. Maybe. Yeah. And that's um, – I'm going to piggyback off of that because there is a lot of room for just allowing wellness initiatives to be a little off the mark as if as if they're ever going to get it perfect or anything like that. And the, the thing I wanted to really bring attention to, to that conversation is just that this is not a new topic by any – humanity has been discussing wellness in some form for thousands of years but essentially since we could talk it was like our condition and like you know spiritual or or psychological terms has been maybe the the front most discussed thing that there was and it's you know it's not an easy problem to solve um it's not clearly any kind of like one size fits all but it's also really important and um the the thing that i agree about wellness initiatives is that it's especially like in the past few generations there's so much was sacrificed on on a personal level um for that professional like gain um and i do think like our our generation is is really like kind of the ones that are really pushing for a more more of a balanced approach um to like take this issue that has been at the forefront of humanity since since it could talk essentially kind of making sure that that's also being part of the discussion and mm -hmm. so it's i think it's a lot less about is the wellness initiative exactly perfect and more about how are we like how are we improving it and how, how can we continue to make it better because i don't think there's going to be a wellness initiative that's ever correct because mm -hmm. um, it's just too difficult of a problem to solve i agree uh, 
medicine is interesting, I think, because it's kind of like a it's a field with a lot of legacy and it's a field that really values kind of tradition. And if I did it, then you're going to do it. And I think that's how some of these like residency specific cultures have become so ingrained. And if I work this many hours, you need to work this many hours because I'm well trained and I want you to be well trained. And so I think in fields like medicine, where kind of maintaining tradition has become so important, um, I think it becomes harder to make those changes uh, towards wellness because it's kind of a field where we, I almost feel like it's a field where we kind of value suffering in order to become a doctor. And so what happens if we don't have to suffer to become physicians? Are we, are we less good are, than the people that came before us? I don't know. Yeah, that, that's a really good thought. And that gets into like the philosophy of like, what is, what is suffering? Things like that. I mean, I feel like we should probably steer a little clear of what is suffering, Rob? Suffering. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I, I really like that idea of like the, the tradition kind of plays a really big role in medicine. And traditionally it's been, I mean, a wellness initiative in medicine was don't make your residents work over 80 hours. Like what? Yeah. Right, and I've, I've heard that it's not uncommon for re residencies to kind of on one level say that that's the case. And on another level be like, well, but my expectations are really, really <laughs> right. a little, little, little more. Yeah, yeah. I want you to 110 so, hours. So the topic, there's a lot of room for discussion, genuine, honest discussion about how that balance can be yeah. improved. Certainly. And, and uh, go ahead. And I was just going to say, and the fact that the wellness initiatives are kind of coming to the forefront and mm -hmm. stuff like that and kind of being a serious initiative that, you know, various places, it's only a matter of, I think only a matter of time before those issues are really pressed mm -hmm. and and discussed and investigated mm -hmm. um, like thoroughly and, and more genuinely and so that you know a better balance could maybe be struck and I do think some fields take it more seriously than others like some specialties are going to take wellness a little more seriously than others psychiatry, psychiatry <laughs> no, takes I, it I, real serious <laughs> it's, it's a joke but it's not that like there are like these lifestyle quote-unquote specialties that we hear about and many of those specialties are one that like really earnestly value wellness and building a life outside of the hospital and like not grinding yourself into the ground but then on the flip side there are other specialties where like it's respected if you grind yourself into the ground if you like are so tired you're like i need to sleep in the parking lot i can't drive home that's almost like a badge of respect to work yourself that hard so it's it's interesting how kind of vastly it varies within a field yeah and that's something you have to be very very realistic with yourself when choosing a specialty because if you really value lifestyle and wellness there are going to be a lot of specialties or specific programs that just might not be for you and that's okay mm -hmm. and some of these specialties are also harder to get into though right like the road to success specialties oh yeah radiology ophthalmology anesthesia and derm like over time those are going to be the most cushy jobs even like you know some of these some of them are easier residencies than others but wellness is definitely seen as a as a, a, a luxury like a, a luxury as an advantage as something that we're all looking for as a something to compete for right especially when we we think about the idea of these roads to success um specialties yeah yeah and you can see the effects of it immediately like the the step scores of the roads are just objectively higher like, right. and that's because there's so many people that really want those jobs and they want those jobs 
not everybody in those jobs, but uh, there's a significant portion of the attractiveness of those jobs is just just the balance it strikes with mm. your personal and professional life. It's true. Um, that's mm. the whole reason I switched off of surgery is literally because of that. Because of so. wellness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't mean to take uh, take your thunder here, Jack, but I, I do want to kind of like Jack, what Josh was saying, like hard to navigate the idea of wellness, but I want to see what we would all do. Like what kind of wellness activity or initiative would you institute in a program if you had the power to do so? Oh, that's an interesting one. Let's sure. start with Josh. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, ironically, if I had, if maybe one of the first things I would do, this, this is probably not that intuitive for a wellness program, but I think a good idea for students in a wellness program, initiative is to actually have them write out what their goals in life are specifically. I know that's ridiculous. I know. And you're saying it's ridiculous because you want to relax. And I agree. Homework. I agree. I agree. But one of the things I think would contribute a lot to somebody's um, path through medical school, and, and I'll get to like the relax relaxation and stuff like that. But before I get to that, I just wanted to say that the time that you spend studying and the time that you spend dedicating to medicine can feel like a chore if it's not something that you think is important to your life. And then so just I think that the most good you could possibly do to yourself is articulate to yourself and, and justify to yourself the reasons you're doing these things to begin with because then um, – if you write out these are the goals I'm looking to accomplish, this is why I want to do this to begin with, then when you when you go towards the work, the actual work, it's a lot more of of um, a dedicated like desire versus kind of the begrudgingly like grinding through Anki cards kind of thing. How do you fix the problem though that even if you you have the students go through an exercise like that, half of them aren't going to take the exercise seriously? There's no, I, I agree. I don't know. I don't know exactly. So one of the, one of the interesting things that I, th I think is maybe going to be at the forefront of this whole thing, um, is that wellness in its, the way that I see it anyway, is actually an intensely personal thing. And that there's actually things you're born with that no one else can do for you. It's actually impossible for anyone else to do them for you. And then, so you're kind of born with this kind of this condition you're not that satisfied with and you just have responsibilities they're just given to you through the, the structure of the way that existence works where like no one can possibly do these things for you you have to be the one to do them yourself and well and wellness i think is full of those kinds of things where it's and it's unfortunate because um you can see somebody and you want to help but um like within a wellness initiative or what have you, but at the end of the day, uh, whatever mechanisms do work, I don't think that any of them will work without the proper engagement from the from the people who are involved. Um, so that that that's kind of why I was hoping that uh, like was hoping that I might try that first, um, like having someone articulate it because they might begrudgingly do it, but. Um, 
once they have it, like, oh, I want to be a ortho surgeon um, for because I really like bones or something like that. I don't know why people want to be ortho surgeons. Bones, bones yeah. are cool. Bones, okay. Muscles. All right. Um, or I want to get into sports or something like that. Then, then you know, they can hopefully better understand why it is that they're going to study the muscles. So when they're studying muscles, it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm just like grinding through this. It feels like, well, I'm learning all these like really important things that are going to be necessary to, to eventually arrive there. Having said that, obviously, a significant portion of it is finding a- activities and things that are engaging and and fulfilling spiritually that are not um, that are not work, and so like taking time off, um, but filling the time with something that's important. Um, I don't know how much time off helps if it's just time off. I'm sure a little bit. Um, in, I think in that my helps own, immensely. Yeah, I feel yeah. Great having a bit of time. Right, right. No, I agree. I agree. In in my own tradition, we kind of do a six to one ratio, um, six days on, one day off, um, and that's you know kind of the golden ratio for how I grew up and stuff, and that is um, not well balanced right now, and so maybe something like a six to one ratio would help the the medical community um i think and then uh finding something impactful to do in that one day would also be important i don't know that's not a total total answer by any stretch but it's just kind of where i would start with things justifying what why you're here and what you're doing and then maybe fixing some of the time on time off kind of stuff specifically six to one is what i would do but that's just me I would say for me, if I was the head of a wellness committee, I would make a list of a lot of different activities, whether it be painting, baking, reading, exercise, um, writing, and I would give it to the residents and say, you have a day off. I want you to do one of these things, but I'm not going to check it. And I think that would be a good way to kind of like kind of not necessarily incentivize um like motivate someone to do something that would be good for them that they could find what's good for them and if none of it's good for them they decide to take a rest then so be it i like that um i don't know what i'm kind of i'm kind of with josh here i don't know what the best thing looks like and it's it's tough for me to like there's a bunch of options, right? How am I going to choose? But I think that it would be interesting. And I like what a lot of them do or uh, from what I've seen um, in my interviews is a lot of them do things together. And I think that's really important because that forms a kind of camaraderie amongst your team to begin where you can learn about somebody not in a work environment. You can learn about like who they are in like a more, social or really zero work uh, environment like we go do one of the activities that was i guess the most maybe the most popular or something of the list that jack had suggested that you write down and we have maybe two of these a year or a semester right and we go we do the two most popular choices or two most um you know opposite sides of the spectrum type choices where you everybody has a day off but we implore that you come do this activity with us. We'll have food, we'll have drinks, we'll have like activities to do. 
where you can bring your families and learn about your coworkers and your coworkers can learn about your families and you know everybody just builds more rapport that way i think that that's a really good way of doing wellness so instead of separating the work from the play entirely you can kind of meld the two of them and i like how residency directors are doing that unfortunately for those who like painting, I would not allow that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard line for painting, yeah. Rob. You know what that reminds me of? The um, have you, did you see the the newest? Oh, the newest Top Gun. I haven't yet. No. Do you, can I spoil one thing? It's not that it's not a major plot thing. Josh, I gotta tell you, I hate spoilers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. and, and our listeners may hate spoilers too. Oh, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> okay, well, in an unrelated movie, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, it's okay. There's um, this is such a it's it's such a not even it, it's it means nothing to the plot. You're not I I shouldn't even mention it as a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. <laughs> All right. I'll pay you I'll pay you for the movie if it's if no, you I'm think just, it's I'm, I'm, I'm it's just, so not. I'm just kidding. There's I'm one just, point where there's <laughs> one point where um one of the actors who's in 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 charge of the team um is he's in charge of leading the whole thing. And one of the, uh, his overhead bosses is, you know, um, saying that they need to, you know, we need to work harder. We need to work harder. We need to work harder. And the guy noticed that one of the issues with the team was that they weren't cohesive enough yet. And so what he actually did was brought them to a beach and their work day that day was playing football. Um, and it like, it was a, you know, it was a kind of a, a moment where everyone, the team started to click with one another and so those it just reminds me of that one that's cool little piece of top gun which is totally not a spoiler so. it's totally not a spoiler <laughs> yeah i appreciate yeah the, the preface for having it been a spoiler really threw me for a loop yeah i, I yeah. want i want money for the movie now <laughs> but that was <laughs> fine <laughs> but we were just talking about movies that weren't as good the sequels weren't as good as the uh, yeah. and as how rare it is for a sequel to be better and this one for for anyone that does want to go see top gun this the sequel is better than the original mm. and that is such a rare thing oh you didn't think so i didn't see it but oh, I, okay. I doubt that the sequel was better than the original more everyone plugs. does everyone more doubted it and everyone plugs. felt wrong hey it's a it's a solid My, uh wellness plan is it go yeah. watch the second go watch top, top gun. gun the second top gun that would be I, that would be probably on the list is ever, bring everybody to the theater you know and like do something fun ahead of time all right jackie what do you think i think I think I've got an issue with with wellness days, and I think my issue with wellness days is that they're it's kind of like too infrequent. I think wellness has to be a habit. I think it has to be kind of a consistent thing, and I think one of the, I, I think wellness days are great. I'm not trying to say that they shouldn't happen, but I think that having it be like once every six months you're gonna get like a break day is worse to me fundamentally than like the schedule you have for the year is well balanced. Like I've seen a couple programs where like they'll break down the schedules in like four weeks inpatient, two weeks elective, two weeks of whatever. And I felt that the ones that had the most even spread, the ones that are really intentional about like, this is a tough rotation, so it's gonna be followed by an elective. I would almost rather have a really well-balanced schedule that leaves a couple hours at the end of each day or a couple hours every other weekend versus one big day where everyone goes rock climbing. Because what if I'm sick that day? What if I'm hungry that day? I guess I'd eat if that was the case. <laughs> but like, what if what if I'm not able to go that day because I have a wedding to go to or something like that? So I, I don't think that resting all of the wellness on like one day or one activity is really 
necessarily sustainable. I think building well-balanced schedules so people can bake their own wellness into the hours that they have according to their own schedules, according to their own families and their own needs, I think is a more realistic way to really take care of people uh, in the long term. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah, I like that a lot. That actually reminds me of when I went on, uh, I had an away rotation where every fifth week, it was like uh, X plus Y, and every fifth week, everybody was on uh, like an, or there were a number of people that were on an ambulatory service. I think it was actually every, uh, it was like four and two. It was like four weeks of an elect mm-hmm. of a rotation and then two weeks of ambulatory. And over the course of those two weeks, there'd be like a group of people that were on right. like clinic and that group of people would obviously rotate. But every Thursday they would always have like, they called it Ambo day where at the end of the day, at the end of the workday, they would just all go to happy hour together. And even the people that were on service could join, but it was obviously gonna be mostly the people that were on the ambulatory care rotations. But I like that idea of having it be like almost resident run and have it be regular every week. We do this on Thursday to like, come show up, you know? I like that idea. One of the residencies I, I was looking at had that. Yeah. It was I think they had Taco Tuesdays. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And they had so. their bar. Yep. Every every week. Yep. And it wasn't mandatory. Like if you didn't want to go, you don't no. have to go. It's um, like resident run almost. Yeah, it, I think it was resident run. Yeah. I think it was. So I think it is very important for residents to be hyper aware of their wellness and for programs to be also hyper aware of the residents wellness programs to be okay with residents like running their own stuff you know yeah yeah it's a it's a difficult topic it's an unbelievably hard problem to solve yeah so makes sense why there's so many different issues and differences of opinions all right well i think that concludes the uh the first hour of our topic on maintaining wellness and balance in medical school so we're going to take a short break and uh Hope to see you after. So I can Hi, we're back. Oh, we're back. Okay. Wait, wait. Exit. We are back. Oh, okay. We're oh, back. No, pause it. Just pause it. Never mind. You don't have to pause it. And we're back. Take two. <laughs> All right. So going back to our personal wellness initiatives, I want to go on interper- interpersonal relationships in medical school. So how to maintain friends outside of medical school. That's a big one, um, you know, setting clear expectations. So a lot of times in medical school, I feel that my friend group outside of me- medical school was really great because they were very understanding of the process, the fact that I wouldn't be able to hang out with them as much, the fact that I wouldn't be texting them or keeping in contact. I know that was something that was really important to Jackie, but something that I set clear expectations to my friends outside of medical school is like, hey, unfortunately, like I'm going through this very difficult process and I may not be as available. So I don't know about your guys' experiences with friends outside of medical school or family members, but I'd like to kind of touch on that. Yeah, I have uh, a good example, I think, actually, where um, my friends were very aware that in my failures of trying to get into medical school prior to medical school they knew i was it was tough even that that took a toll on the wellness i'm it, sure that indeed <laughs> <laughs> but they knew that this was something that i was i had my heart set on they 
I've been wanting to do it for years and they completely supported whatever it looked like. Some of them might not have known what it looked like. Most of them probably didn't know what it looked like. And whenever I explained it to them, I would tell them it's going to be really hard. And they're like, I get it. And like, you're our friend, so it'll be fine. And a very specific time I remember is every year we always try to get together, right? To like just one time. And I've known these people for like 12 years, 13 years. And so every year we try to get to UF, which is where I graduated undergrad from, Go Gators, for a football game. Thank you. And it worked every year, except for the COVID year, obviously. But um, because of the COVID year, we were going to do something else. And it was going to be around that time frame. But I told them that I couldn't do something else during that time frame because I was going into my surgery rotation at that time. Ooh. Yeah. So I told them ahead of time, being knowledgeable that surgery was going to be August and September, that surgery is in august and september which is when like we normally get together to like watch games together and if we were going to get together at somebody's house to watch a game i can't be a part of it so they were like well all right we'll find some time when you can do it when can you do it and i told them july they were like three weeks in july that we had off and they go all right we'll come up with a time in july wow and they did. we all did rather so having like friends outside of medical school that are aware like Jack was saying of the difficulties of medical school, like it helps a lot for your wellness. It helped a lot for my wellness because it made me realize that even in like the slogs, even in the, the dregs of, of whatever like might be going on at the time, you could still count on people from before. I've got um, a set of friends kind of similar to yours and known them for, um, I mean, I basically like grew up with these guys like, long time kind of thing and we <clears throat> formed an accidental tradition of seeing each other once a year as well um and the, it's that time is new year's we always spend new year's together no matter what um well in, in rare instances there is a there's there are exceptions but um Two out of the four years that I've been in med school, they both flew down to Miami um, so that th that they could optimize their time with me and that, that I could optimize my time with med school. Um, so it's like having those kinds of friends that are more than willing to, to make sacrifices while you're in a, a rough spot and like just having that expectation ahead of time that, that you have to pull back in many ways, but it's not because you're not um dedicated to the friendship it's it's because it's just a really hard time in your life and having friends that like really support you in that is just such a game changer um and one of them is actually um a lawyer and so he kind of went through the ringer in law school and he's still kind of like in a perpetual state of <laughs> roughness because he's doing a uh, big law in dc and it's like you know it's basically just as hard as law school um so he totally gets the whole how a professional um, profession can like be so demanding. Yeah. So yeah, that goes a long way. How about you, Jacqueline? I kind of talked about it already. Um, I have a handful of friends and I, we make time to fly to each other, but kind of similarly with you guys, a lot of times they'll come to me um, for a weekend and a lot of times it'll be like, 
uh, during this week I'm in class, but you know, after class, then we'll do stuff in the afternoon. And they've been really understanding kind of about that dynamic, but I've uh, kind of learned to just chisel together a couple of hours uh, every, every week, every other week, just to kind of catch up. And we just kind of waterfall all of the the updates and on my end usually there's no updates because i don't do much now but um i like to hear about their lives and i think that maintaining those relationships is really important so what do you all think about pets in med school i got a dog i know yeah what are Uh, your thoughts source of wellness source of stress a little bit of both um (laughs) a little bit of both so i've had my dog since sophomore year undergrad um and honestly it was very easy in undergrad because undergrad is nothing compared to med it's basically preschool compared to med school fact um so transitioning from undergrad to medical school having a fairly high demanding dog i have a belgian malinois um it definitely took some getting used to surprisingly online well actually not that surprisingly online med school made it significantly easier when we transitioned um because i was home all day i was studying all day and for a wellness break, I would take a walk with my dog every three hours. Um, going into surgery, me and my roommate both had surgery at the same time. We both have dogs. Um, I did feel a little guilty because I'd be working 15 hours a day, and unfortunately, the dog wasn't getting as much walks. So um, That is rough. <laughs> and, you know, having to wake up 30 minutes earlier when you have to already get there at 5 a.m., that makes things also tough. So... You know, being realistic with yourself, can I handle a pet in medical school? It is going to be, it's going to involve waking up earlier than than you already would, which would be like 4 a.m. And it's something to consider. But I think having a dog for me was worth it. Huge source of wellness. I love my dog. Um, definitely made things tough for away rotations, having to find housing that would allow a dog or if they didn't allow a dog i'd have to find someone to watch her for a month or two so like um going in kentucky was my first rotation i got really lucky with the roommate i had um she actually offered to watch my dog for the rest of my ways i didn't take her up on that offer i had to drive to rochester to drop her off to my dad and then drive to connecticut from rochester um so that added four hours onto my drive to start like Monday and then went to Rochester, lived with my dad and my dog. That was nice. Had to take her to Georgetown, which I lived with my buddy who he was fine with my dog. And then I took the Kentucky girl up on her offer. I drove all the way to Kentucky to drop my dog off and then drove back to Ohio to work a month without my dog. So that sounds like a headache. Yeah. So finding accommodations, it's also harder to find, you know, just housing with a dog, finding apartments and houses that accept a dog. So those are all something to consider. Um, if I were to do it again, I would. I love my dog, and she's definitely helped me out through med school. Okay. How about you? You're you're a dog owner. I am a dog owner. Yeah. I um. I've done a lot to try to automate dog care. Honestly, in my house, like I've got a gravity feeder. <laughs> So I don't have to like feed her, but like once a month or something like that. Cause it just, it's her, her bowl is in a perpetual state of being like free and open to her. So same with water. It's the same thing. Um, and so I've, and you know, I've got a little Roomba that kind of vacuums up, um, 
most of her hair because of Roomba as well. Shiba Inu. Yeah, actually, Jack, you put me onto the Roombas. The Roomba's great. Yeah, they're they are amazing. Um, so a lot of that has already been taken care of. I attempted to have a little doggy door with a cage outside, um, where she could go and, uh, poop when she needed. But unfortunately I couldn't make a cage that was big enough where she started to think it was a yard. And so she still kind of preferred some, some spots inside to go to the bathroom instead of outside. And so I think it's a laudable goal. If I had like a fenced in backyard, there are like these little sliding glass door inserts that you can put into your sliding glass door and then the dog has a way in and out. And then so at that point you've got food, water, and bathroom all taken care of. And so that would theoretically make everything way easier because your dog is never being neglected. I mean, and neglected from a like a health perspective. And then you obviously during times of great sacrifice, you have to kind of sacrifice the time that you spend with the dog. But then when you, when you have time back, you, you can dedicate to the dog. Um, so those are kind of the things that were logistically the ways that I was kind of addressing having a dog. And I agree, like having the dog was, is, is rather, um, a big source of like, just, wellness like <laughs> they just love you all the time and even mine it's a shiba inu and they're very they're known for being very cold animals but she's still like so they are they she, are she's a sweetie pie mine is so sweet yeah and it's i really got lucky with that one um so it's a lot of responsibility um like traveling is much more difficult and things like that but um the med school has you stuck in one spot anyway for most of the four years that you're there and then so the fact that a dog ties you down really doesn't have much to do with your schedule anyway because you're already tied down um so i think like a dog in in med school is is not necessarily a bad idea as long as you can understand how to navigate the responsibilities that go with it and i think you know gravity feeders gravity water and like automatic toilets uh for, for, like so you can go in and out the the backyard make that whole th- experience way better yeah and also just finding like a support system that'll help you watch the dog oh yeah um, like i watched your dogs you you've watched my dogs yeah so that's yeah that's just make friends with the people who have dogs because y'all will need each other agreed you, you should have gotten have, a dog <laughs> huh you don't yeah <laughs> you don't have a, do- you, a dog you don't have a dog yet you're getting a dog eventually and it's going to be a doberman yeah it'd be nice a doberman so all right um what other things can you do to kind of contribute to your wellness in a positive fashion you think i do want to go back to interpersonal relationships okay yeah so oh okay so we were talking about friends has family been an issue at all for any of your your relationships in med school like an a, issue no yeah my family has helped a lot um like they watch my dog for example speaking yeah. combining two conversations um they know that uh, and during the hall it's just like my friends like my family knows i'm stuck in this really difficult situation and then so again i think two two years out of the four years i've been here my family came down to fort lauderdale to celebrate christmas um so like they're very accommodating in that way um and I still have to, you know, call my mom every week to, mm-hmm. to, to just talk about things. Um, so that's like a, 
a nice little support thing um, that they they do. Um, my twin brother moved to Fort Lauderdale when I was it, it, like coincidentally. So so I'm from Virginia, and there's nothing that keeps us here in Fort Lauderdale. Like we don't have a, a, a tie here. It's it's very much kind of a random city for us. There's nothing here that ties us. And I moved here because I got into medical school down here. And um, my twin brother is a scuba diver instructor. And he decided to move down to Fort Lauderdale like shortly after I moved down here. And he moved like 10 minutes down the road. And it was just this really weird coincidence that happened. And it's been such a blessing because him and I, um, we get along so well. We're like very, very close. We're twins. Um, and we spent all the time, like I see him like once a week, pretty much. Um, he got me into line dancing, which we can talk more if we get into <laughs> hobbies and stuff. But, um, you love your line dancing. I do love I my line dancing. I'm not about the line dancing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fun. I love line dancing. Um, so yeah, he got me into that and, uh, he's a scuba diver instructor. So he's taking me out, um, scuba diving every now and then whenever I have time, um, which is almost never, but some of the and some of the in in between stages like between third and fourth year and stuff like that i've i've gone scuba diving with him so that's been a real blessing because he's very much kind of a best friend that i've had for my entire life that lives right down the road from me and so yeah just because i know people who are very very close with their families and like a parent may expect a call every single day and it'll be like an hour conversation and unfortunately in medical school you may not have that time like i i'm fortunate enough that like my mom is a super workaholic. My dad works quite a bit. So like they, they understand like, Oh, work comes first. Like I'll never even question that. If you have to study and not talk to me, like that's totally fine. I know you still love me, but not many people are in that same boat. So like an advice that I would have is just setting, going into medical school. It's really important to set like clear expectations. Like, you know, I still love you, but unfortunately like I may not be quite as available. I don't know if you guys have run into that issue, but Fortunately, I did not. Yeah, that is that is good because my whole family is in medicine, so they know. Yeah, Rob, so I had no more. idea that was the case. Yeah, my dad uh, went through medical school in '89. At the time, he was married to my mom, so my mom also kind of went through like medical school to an extent with him. Obviously, not the same. You get it, yeah. Right? So she's aware, and. Um, He's obviously been in medicine for his whole life. My sister is actually the same year as me out in a, at a school out West. So, um, and then my brother's in the military, so he's also very regimented. So everybody gets it. You know, if you have to work really hard and there's going to be times when, you know, you're not going to be able to talk to anybody at all for like weeks to months at a time. I mean, like look at dedicated, like yeah. dedicated is, is an extreme example, similar to like military training, say. And it's, so my, my family gets it. What about yours, Jackie? Um, no one in my family's in medicine. So I think it kind of was a little bit of kind of explaining to them how the schedule works. And my mom went through a PhD program in English literature, which is totally different. Um, not to diminish that, but it's just kind of a different, she's like, well, I have a doctorate. And I'm like, it's a different kind of uh, doctorate though so it's like <laughs> it's a, diff a different kind of training <laughs> process um so kind of explaining how the day looks different I think in a lot of like my dad works very hard he walk who works long hours but kind of explaining kind of the emotional aspect of going through medical school and 
you know, kind of that imposter syndrome, I don't think is something either of my parents have really experienced in the same way. So kind of explaining those things, explaining like, why are you always crying? This is why I'm always crying. And so uh, talking to my parents about that, I think has been really helpful. Um, so I think, I think that's not to discount or really, really why it's sometimes important, I think, to maintain those relationships in general um, outside of medicine, because I think sometimes people can offer good perspective. I think at least for me, it's been easy to kind of tunnel vision and be like, this is everything to me. And if I lose this, then like, what's what is everything? And my mom is like, you have a lot of other stuff in the world going on in your life that you can and should pay attention to. And if you just kind of put all your eggs in this basket, if you know someone snaps at you at the hospital, then you're going to fall apart. You know, so I think just uh, it's sometimes nice to keep perspective from people outside of the world of medicine as well, who can kind of remind you um, that kind of life moves on beyond the medical field. And so while it's everything to us and it, it's not everything. I don't know if you've <laughs> if you guys have ever run into this scenario, but have you ever said someone like asks if you want to do something and you say, I have to study and they're like, oh, well, when's your test? And you're like four weeks from now and they cannot even fathom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've run in that quite a bit. Yeah. So. Well, I guess for me, um, most of the time when that happened, like it was always it would come across as a like a shock and in like a almost like a inspired way outside instead of like, a, I don't know, a, disappointed. A, way. Yeah. Instead of yeah. them being disappointed. Like I would tell my friends like that. Right. Like I have a test in five weeks. It's fundamentals exam, too. I'm like, oh, so when do you start studying? And I'm like, yesterday. Yeah. So they're like, whoa, that's what medical school is like? Like, that's wild. I've never heard about that. Tell me more. Like, why is it like that? And then I explain to them, like, what's happening in my life. And then they and then they get it. So I think that it can be both a blessing and a curse. Because if people get disappointed with the idea that, like, they think that you're only study, all study, no matter what, then that could be stressful for you because you don't want to feel like you've disappointed someone. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I haven't had an issue with disappointment, um, but I had my friend uh, from up North when I told him that I had to pretty much just start studying now for a test. I would take like step one. I was explaining to him how like we basically just start studying out the gate for step one Mm -hmm. um and like start strategizing for that um that that blew his mind because it was a year and a half out and he was like there's no way that Mm -hmm. there's a test out there that takes a year and a half to prepare for like oh yes there is oh yes there (laughs) is especially when it was scored yeah (laughs) yeah especially when it was scored yeah um but uh yeah all the other times i haven't had a lot of like i'm an import to Fort Lauderdale. I, I don't have a bunch of people here. My twin moved here a little later. Um, so a lot of the friends that I do have are uh, med schools, uh, med, med students, and then my twin brother. Um, and my twin brother is just very understanding, very accepting of the work that I put into medicine. Um, and he definitely works around it. Like he he's very willing to do that. And it, he never gets disappointed if I say I have to, to study. In fact, sometimes if he feels like I'm slacking off too much, he'll get, he'll like kind of tell me to get back into shape. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of the opposite actually. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I've, I've had an outstanding support system, um, throughout medical school. And that, I think that really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. Like an outside of medical school, outside of medical school support system. It's like people that are really interested in what, what you're doing, people that want your success for you. That's helpful. Yeah. I want to talk about a negative relationship that I had going into medical school. Oh, oh do yeah, you? Do you yeah. want to talk about it? Oh. Yeah, we'll open up Strap a can in. of worms. Well, I'll be on the pod today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I went into medical school with a significant other. Um, you know, I constantly put realistic expectations saying, sorry, I have to go to bed at 930. It's a non-negotiable for me. I have to study all day, every day. And that's just kind of how it is. So I was in this relationship trying to get into medical school. It was quite stressful. Um, not a whole lot of un- understanding on the uh, on the other end of just how hard this process was. Um, a lot of you know, kind of diminishing my experience, saying like, "Oh, you're going through this, but I'm going through it too." It's like, mm. you know, it, it is it is there is a difference between going through medical school and being the partner of someone going through medical school. And I think a lot of people don't understand, like you, you can't really fathom what this truly is unless you're the one going through it. So, um, you know, and relationships in medical school are supposed to be a source of wellness. Um, and you know, it wasn't until the end of fundamentals that I realized, like, if this keeps on going, I am going to fail out of medical school. So, and that was the honest truth. I had to be truthful with myself. I had to be truthful with her. Like there are people out there that, you know, it's, it's a very attractive thing to be with someone that's going to be a doctor, but it's very difficult to be with someone that's actually putting in the work to become a doctor. And not a lot of people realize that. So I cut that out, um, going into, uh, Giner, G-I-N-O repro. And by that, he means he cut her out. I cut her out. <laughs> and I had to recognize it because I set <laughs> very, very clear expectations saying, sorry, I have a test in five weeks. I have to study. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of understanding on that end. I think relationships are supposed to be a source of wellness. And that was kind of draining my wellness quite a bit. So fast forward. I met my current girlfriend of two years. <laughs> current girlfriend of two years. And I met her right before step one dedicated started so that was a real test on her end to see if she could handle this lifestyle um i set clear expectations i'm going to leave my phone at home you're going to get a good morning text at six in the morning and you're going to get a good morning test at 8 p.m because i leave my phone at home i study all day and she's like that's fine went through that it was great she was totally understanding and then you know continuously working surgery all those clerkships and then to fourth year where i was gone for six months and there was not really like a single source of stress totally understanding the process and i think that's like who you want on your side yeah yeah so yeah, it was support a complete systems 180. definitely drag you down then they're not really support systems right they're the opposite <laughs> anchoring they're, systems yeah anchoring, anchoring systems. systems yeah yeah so, so that was i think that was also <clears throat> when i cut out my original relationship, moved to my more supportive one like a year later. Um, you know, you saw my performance go up quite a bit in medical school. Sounds good. Right? Yes. Step, yes. step one dedicated. Step was one dedicated was a completely different Jack. 
Um, that's definitely true. Was that right? That's when you started dating Amanda? Right before step one. Dedicated uh, okay, maybe that had December. something to do with it then. Yeah. Because that's right. That was the time. Mm-hmm. Things got going yeah. for Jack. So let's let's talk a little bit about step one dedicated then and what like wellness looks like during step one during these dedicated time frames there is no wellness during step one dedicated (laughs) next topic (laughs) kidding (laughs) well especially now pass fail sorry oh yeah pass fail is a totally different you still have to study you still still have to study study it it. but yeah yeah but it's one of those things you you don't know what it's like unless you were in it for the score (laughs) there's there's definitely a difference I, i agree with that but over the course of dedicated like wellness was still important you still had to find ways to keep on keeping on and it i mean you don't know it until you go through it but over the first year and a half two years of medical school you think like oh i could sit down for two months at a at a time and just study i've been doing that basically now no you have not that is like not the way dedicated works so the wellness has to look different so for me it was very much like i would put in numbers of hours just whatever that number of hours looked like be it like one day i'd do eight hours one day i'd do 12 hours one day i'd do 10 hours and it would just doesn't have to look like that way for it doesn't have to look that way for everybody by the way anybody listening you don't have to do 12 hours it'll be fine if you don't but it's you have to be even more intentional about your wellness you have to like your wellness also decreases drastically so you have to find a lot more value in lower amounts of wellness, like going for a walk. I would walk like once around my apartment building once a day. That was my wellness during that. I had something similar, but it was a little more, perhaps like a little more intense, but I had a morning block for wellness. Or I'm sorry for, for dedicated, uh, dedicated. And then I would have, uh, I would do a whole running workout and like I grew up, I did, um, cross country when I was in high school. And so I'm like one of those, those weird people that likes running. Um, and it was a way to just, just like blow steam out the valve and, and like get exhausted and just like, and I did it right in the heat of the day and like in South Florida and the, in the reason for it is because I needed it to feel exhausting. And then, mm-hmm. so that's what it, the whole point of it was just feel exhausted. And then I would walk back in, um, and, uh, eat lunch, uh, probably shower at that point, And then, um, start my evening s- session or afternoon and evening session. And so that's, and I like, I did that pretty much every, every day, um, seven days a week. I always had that. I always had the run. Yep. So that's good. That's good. That's really it helps you blow off steam. Yeah. That's a, that's great to maintain. And anyone listening, like if you can maintain some kind of physical exercise during medical school, please, please do it because so many people failed at it. I'm one of them. Yeah, me too. Um, for me, so step one dedicated, uh, I did not take the break they recommended and I am that stressed me out. I am still so <laughs> avidly against that break. <laughs> so if you're if you're listening to me and you like breaks, I am so against that because I think you put in so much work to learn BBB that why would I take the month off to forget it? So that's just me. Maybe you like your breaks. I was totally against it. But 
what I would do during step one dedicated, so I would get to the school at 7 a.m. I would study all the way to 7 p.m. And that would be Monday through Sunday. Um, and that was for three months, about two and a half months. So I would, after, you know, doing my Aki, doing practice problems, I would go to the, I would do these in the PBL room. So I would then go up to the top of the parking garage, walk a few laps, um, like shirtless in the sun, get some vitamin D and I'd be listening to Golgen on my headphones. Yep. I did that during my runs. Yeah. Golgen. Yeah. I listened to that on my walks. Was yeah. Golden. Yeah. And oh, we all I, did that. Yeah, when I was showering or cooking or something, he was always going. Yeah. Yeah. So then I did experience a point of like a plateau in my scores climbing up. And right around then is when I started, when I was done with the day, I would run around my block, which is like three quarters of a mile. And I would do like, um, 20 reps on the bench press, uh, flat bench, incline, shoulder press, curls, and then triceps. And that'd be like a 30 minute workout. And you are such a bro. It makes sense that you're like doing ortho. <laughs> <laughs> and when I did that, like my score in the last two weeks shot up like 20 points. So, you know, that the exercising really does help your performance quite a bit, in my opinion. Yeah. How are you, Jackie? Um, I, I don't really feel like I killed myself during dedicated. Honestly, I feel like, uh, I did as much as I could to do a few blocks a day. I made it my goal to do, you know, 40, 60, 80 questions in a day, or today's going to be a practice test day. Um, little content review here or there, but I, I tried to still, you know, cook myself dinners at night, you know, if I could. And like I said, that's something I really like looked forward to at the end of the day was now you're going to take you know, 20 minutes, you're going to go grocery shopping, you're going to come back and you're going to like make yourself a meal. Um, so you eat. And also, so I had something to look forward to, like when powering through questions. So um, I don't know, I, I don't really feel like I had a terrible time during dedicated. I mean, it was it wasn't fun studying all day. It definitely took some working up to to get to be able to do that many questions. But I don't I don't feel like I wrecked my life during that time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the wrecking your life is definitely something you have to avoid. So <laughs> I wouldn't say listen to the way like I did it because I, I would do it differently if I could next time. But and we can get into that, but it's not that big a deal. Um, I would prefer to have done it the way you did. Just kind of like treat it like it's just a bigger test and still maintain who you are, what you like to do over the course of the day even if it is just a little bit less than normal so yeah my my step two dedicated was significantly less demanding than my step one dedicated um so like i kept up with anki throughout the whole the whole uh clerkship curriculum so then by the time uh dedicated hit i would just finish my anki and do 100 practice problems a day and that would take me like four hours instead of instead of 12 so, and then I beat Elden Ring, worked out every day <laughs> and, you know, played video games. So I'd probably study from like seven to 12 or eight to 12 and call it a day. Yeah. I remember getting those texts, those Elden Ring texts. Oh yeah. I loved I was, them. I kept I, me going. I was getting through <laughs> Elden Ring nice and quick. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, my unfortunate part with studying for dedicated was I had to extend mine a month and I had to do it during that ICU rotation. So I was exhausted all the time during that second month and like wellness kind of took a back seat, unfortunately. So I do that differently too. 
Yeah, that's fair. I also think like one topic that might be worth discussing and when discussing wellness is is what you're willing to sacrifice in academics for more wellness. That's a good good question. Um, because you know, like for me, for instance, I wanted to do. I was kind of lucky in the sense that I actually genuinely wanted to do emergency medicine out the gate, and I was kept my mind open and stuff like that. But I never switched my passions and emergency medicine luckily is not a particularly difficult uh residency to get into it's it's you know it's not the easiest but it's not the hardest by any stretch either um and i just knew i didn't need 260s and my step scores to go to to do emergency medicine and so during my clerkship years I backed off quite a bit. Like we discussed earlier, I kind of backed off Anki um, and some of the things that I, that would definitely have improved my scores and stuff, but they also would have made me more miserable. And I was willing to make that negotiation because I knew that that extra 30, you know, like 20, 30 points in um, my scores would not change the outcome of my career in any significant way, but it would dramatically change the impression I had of medical school and how rough it was. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky to have the opportunity to make that negotiation, whereas, you know, other specialties don't get that, that option. I feel bad for, I don't feel bad, but like the way that it works nowadays is so much more likely we'll be riding on step two than, you know, was previously. So, you need to be a little bit more aware that step two can't be like a like a stepping stone upwards anymore. Now it's kind of just like the only test that a lot of these residency programs can gauge a, a student off of. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I don't know what people nowadays would would think about like how to answer that question. Yeah, that's true. Like how much would they be willing? How many points? Is there like a point number that you would sacrifice for wellness? And like, what does the wellness look like? Yeah. You know, like it's, there's so many variables. And just the way that I saw it is a little bit less wellness when academics just mean a little bit more at the time. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's the negotiation is the thing. And wellness doesn't win that negotiation every time. No, no, no. And academics Uh, don't win it every time. And academics don't win it. It's either or. Like I do think sometimes doing something for yourself can help your academics. I don't think it's necessarily like a two ends of the seesaw. That's true. Look what happened to Jack. He started working out. Shot up 20 points. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's huge. So it all depends. All depends. Now this, keep in mind for those listening that, you know, we're four individuals that are very diverse in, in the way we do things. So. This isn't a one size fits all, but it's something to see that which you you as your own individual self may align with. So I wanted to kind of segue into like, what are your guys' thoughts on on pre-studying for a course? Is that a negative impact on wellness for you? Or is that something that you think is an investment into doing well on tests and not having to work as hard later? Depends on the course, I think. You're thinking of BB&B, aren't you? Not just BB&B, okay. um, really like anything, like going into fundamentals and someone gives you a study plan or going into, you have a month off to study heme during winter break or Thanksgiving break or whatever, or Geiner is winter break. Mm. <clears throat> that is a good question. 
I, I think maybe if I could advise somebody going to, to NSU that was just accepted or something like that, I would say maybe coming in, spending a couple months doing yeah, they gave some us kind that of pre-work course. fundamentals thing. PI, professional immersion, right? No, oh, no, no. No, previous, they gave it like yeah, a, yeah. yeah. But they like, gave us biochemistry and immunology or something. Right. I got accepted with two weeks to spare, so I didn't have time to look at any of that. Yeah. <laughs> but getting involved with like boards and beyond and Anki a couple months ahead of time for fundamentals, I do think would probably benefit them significantly because that was, it, and maybe it's changed so much that, you know, that doesn't even make any sense more. Maybe fundamentals is a lot less um, difficult. I don't know. But, um, that that seemed like something that I would have appreciated when I entered fundamentals. Had I, I just wish I'd known that I could have spent the two months in su- uh, summer, like studying a little bit on fundamentals and stuff. Having said that, um, the opposite is true from the transition from medical school to residency. It's been overwhelmingly the case that everyone advises: do not study for the your like the last end piece of f- your fourth year medical s- school. Don't prepare for residency. Like take the time off and actually like enjoy yourself for a little bit before you come to residency. It's whatever you're going to learn is just not worth the, so it's really, I think it really depends on which pre-studying you're doing. Um, but I think right now it's seems to be, there's very few people who are telling me right now that pre-studying is a good idea. Whereas I think it would have been a good idea back in before med, med school. So I wouldn't advise it. Um, I think that once you get into medical school, you're already like, you can do it. You can do the work. You know, the admissions committees in medical school chose you that there wasn't a mistake. Like you, you are, you can do it. So once you get here, you have to take into account what those above you can help you with, like what they say. And I say that a little bit of a bias because me and Jackie were both on a group of people who put together like whole PowerPoints that only go over like resources to use over medical school for those that are just coming into medical school. So if you really sit down and listen to like what the upperclassmen have to say and like a wide array of upperclassmen have come together. Like six of us have come together. People who were of different backgrounds, different study methods, different beliefs of how to like approach medical school all came together on a, and made a PowerPoint for you. Like, cause we know this is going to work. So just listen to that and like take into account what the advice, like the advice that we can offer you and what it means and try some of these things out give it a shot try boards and beyond try pathoma try sketchy try all of them try emboss try whatever you want i don't care but i'm going to give you a lot of options to try it's not it's no longer this ocean this like in unfathomably large vast and deep ocean of information if you listen to the people that went through it before you you can whittle it down to just a pool and you can decide what you want to do from that pool because these are the like proven successful things. 
And for that reason, I believe that you don't have to go, you don't have to get a running start because we have provided you with a running start, the upperclassmen have, by providing you with good, solid foundation to, to build off of, to jump from. So once you get into medical school, that's when it starts. Before medical school, you're not in medical school, so you don't have to study medical school. Yeah. Once, you, once you get to medical school, then you can study. Yeah, so you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't advise the getting a jump start on on fundamentals. Absolutely not. Yeah. I think that fundamentals is and likely the beginning class of most medical schools is so rigorous, and you're gonna cry and you're gonna like you're it's gonna be so hard. Why start early? Why start feeling like that early? Start implementing maybe some wellness strategies early. <laughs> maybe start getting into working out like you always wanted to or start getting into running like you always wanted to or get a dog or do something that will help you once you get to medical school on the personal, social, interactional side, not the scientific, logical, medical side because we're going to do that. We're going to help you that whole way through. But beforehand, it's not going to have as much impact as the wellness will. I also advise against pre-studying. I think the only time that I pre-studied and it helped at all was maybe during like clerkships when I knew that it was going to be kind of tight transitioning from like a four-week clerkship to a four-week clerkship. And I was like, that's a lot of Anki cards. I'd like to try to get through at least once. Or like, that's a lot of questions for the next block. So maybe if I had like primary care, I might start studying for the subsequent rotation a little earlier. But in general, I don't really, th I, I, I do think that people are intentional in the way that they lay out curriculums. I don't think that they necessarily give us more than we can to handle at a time. So I think that if they give us this much time to take in the material, I do think it's possible. And I think that um, adding unnecessary stress uh, prior to a rotation is kind of unnecessary, as, been set, as has been said already. So um, yeah, I, 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 I think staying present with the material is often the most helpful. And then I, th I think in staying present with the material, it's a good way to A, pace yourself, and B, so much of medicine is cumulative, so pacing yourself within a certain organ system block is helping you study for step. Um, so keeping those things in mind, too, that not jumping ahead might actually help you more. Breaks your wellness. So right. I asked this question because I knew that it was going to be pretty controversial. Um, so for me, <laughs> <laughs> for me personally, I recognize my strengths and weaknesses and then I recognize that I don't consider myself to have uh, a very high level of like natural brain power so Jack. did you just say you don't think you're smart I don't think I have like natural there's there are some people you're gonna see when you're in medical school there are just there are some people that are like naturally gifted with intelligence like I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree i'm gonna agree with you there yeah yeah because which is not, maybe not the we nicest thing but but we don't i have noticed to say that names, as, yeah yeah there's there's some people who are just like you meet them in med school and they 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 like their engine is just running on 12 cylinders yeah and there's also people who are running on eight and but that doesn't necessarily mean one's going to do better than the other like one might outwork the other and that's yeah. certainly and you've certainly been an example of somebody who's who's like doing laps with the engine that you've got. I want to, I wanna, before you continue, I want to very quickly like set aside, set something straight here where like on the spectrum of 
everybody. Oh, every, of the every just pot, all seven and a half, oh. however many billion people there are. Yeah, yeah. We are like a microscopic like portion within it. That's maybe true. not at the top, maybe not even close to the top. I don't know where we are, but everybody in medical school can handle, is smart, is hardworking. There's just shades of gray within it. Mm-hmm. So don't worry if you anyone listening. Don't worry if you don't feel as smart as your the your cohort. You, I can assure you, mm-hmm. are right there. Don't so compare yourself. I, I Don't compare have, yourself. I have a theory um, that there's a spectrum of medical medical students. There are the freaks, like freak natural gifted intelligence, <laughs> that work like freaks. Okay, like you know, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, there it... are freaks that work like freaks. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah, there's no, freaks no. that work like freaks. There are freaks that work like average people. There are average people that work like freaks, and there are average people that work like average people. And again, the, the average people is like dude that it they're, they're not average. <laughs> they're, 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 they're not, it's well above average. Yeah. But like in the spectrum of medical students, there is prob there is a spectrum within that. Mm, like, yeah, and that's what I think you're that's the population you're grabbing from is the people who make it into med, yeah. med school. Yeah. Which is not comparing. Yeah. yeah comparing to the cohort. So I consider right. myself like an average person, that but also try not to compare yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so for me, when I pre-study, cause I've, I've like had this in the past, like before medical school started, I didn't pre-study and I felt like an amendous amount of like detriment to my wellness. Amendous? Amendous? Tremendous. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> See? Amazing. See, that just shows I'm average. Average, average intelligence. <laughs> so, so I felt like a tremendous amount of stress when I felt that I wasn't prepared. And now there was no time left to prepare. Like I didn't have enough time that fit like the amount of info I could cram into my brain. That's why I personally enjoy pre-studying and feeling like more well prepared. Like for me, I remember I finished, I finished derm, like during the BBB block, the brain body behavior, I finished the dermatology section before we started and I got started on like MSK and that was like my highest grade. I remember during the neuro block, I felt the worst on any test that I've ever taken. I ended up doing fine. But like I felt so bad about it. The next day I finished all of psych in one day and I did not have to do any more studying like new material for the rest of psych. And that felt good to me. So this is why I knew it was going to be a controversial topic. But I think it's you looking into yourself for those that are listening to see like which way aligns with you and kind of just recognizing that. Yeah, that's true. I think studying to feel ready is kind of an interesting topic too because I feel like tests I've taken in the past, I felt very ready walking into the exam and I feel like much of what I've done in medical school, I walk into the exam and I don't feel completely ready. And I think trying to study in order to feel 100% comfortable with the the material is maybe something that you have to kind of amend because you're probably not going to feel like you've learned everything because I'm sure you haven't because it's impossible to learn everything in medicine and you're probably not going to feel 100% prepared for every question. So just kind of learning learning kind of when you're like, I don't think I know it 100%, but I think I know it well enough and then learning to kind of lean on your own preparation, find kind of the confidence to just go in and take the test 
is also something at least I've struggled with during medical school is not feeling like I had mastery of the material when I was tested on it. Certainly. I feel the same way. And there's just like no way, like you said, to completely understand and really internalize everything. I mean, it's medicine. Well, yeah, like fundamentals I learned, I became able to recognize like, I'm not going to cover every piece of material. And I'm going to hope that, you know, the material I did cover was right. And like the material I sacrificed was also right. Like that it was going to be low yield on that test. Mm -hmm. So, And oftentimes you are right. You just use your resources accordingly. And resources include upperclassmen. Yeah. And the upper, I think that's really where upperclassmen shine is their ability to tell you what's, what's going to be high yield and what's going to be low yield. Oh yeah. When Mitchell gave us the Anki course, that was the biggest thing ever. Game changer. Yeah. Game changer. Shout out Mitch. That's true. So. Yeah. Do we have any other topics? We could talk about hobbies. Yeah. Talk Talk about about line dancing, Josh. Yeah, one of the things that so we're talking over the break. Uh, one of the things that I really got into um, when my twin came, uh, moved down, is he invited me with his to go out with his friends to line dancing. And I grew up in a small town and all, but we didn't even we didn't have line dancing. <laughs> um, and I thought it was a little strange, but I was very willing to go participate if it meant hanging out with my brother James. So I, I joined and it was way different than I thought it would be. And there was, it was, it was a bar, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a traditional bar where everyone's just kind of crowded. The music's loud. Everyone's yelling at each other and no, and no conversation gets anywhere. Cause it's, you know, it's too much. Like that's not what it was. Someone doesn't like bars very much. <laughs> I don't like bars, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what it was like was it was, it felt kind of like a movie when I walked in because there was, you know, there's a bunch of people surrounding uh, a dance floor and then there's all these people in the dance floor doing a synchronized dance to some kind of song and um, it is a movie I think it's Dirty Dancing yeah it's it felt like that <laughs> like I, I haven't watched Dirty Dancing in a long time Footloose but, yeah or Footloose I mean they actually play Footloose and it's, it's one of the most fun songs Love to it. dance to I'm a big fan of, of dancing to Footloose <laughs> anyway um, so I didn't even realize how much I would enjoy it and I like uh, they taught me a couple dances and I was out there dancing and I just, it was so much fun. And it was a great way just to hang out with my, my twin brother cause him and I both like dancing. So, um, I started going regularly. So in my third year of medical school, one of the things that I replaced with Anki <laughs> instead of Anki, I did a line dancing every Friday night. I would dedicate as long as I could anyway. Um, I would dedicate to a line dancing night. And I would go to the bar, to the line dancing bar and hang out with my twin brother and dance for a few hours, and it was fantastic. That I mean, I, awesome. I met my current girlfriend doing that. Um, there was like, it's a great way to be social, great way to to let loose, get a little sweaty, <laughs> and uh, have fun. Yeah. So, and I pretty much been just been doing it ever since. I still do it. Still line dance every almost every week. I play video games. <laughs> you got really into League, actually. League of Legends. So, well, actually, before then, um, I w- played a lot of PlayStation with uh, some friends from back home, like, uh, you know, back at in my undergrad days. I actually used, like, the time that I would give myself off, like, a couple hours from studying to 
play games with like these guys, right? And one of them I became like incredibly, incredibly close with. And he was just somebody that I knew basically back at UF. And he's just like one of my homies now, you know? And another one I had never met in my entire life, not once. I had only spoken to him over video games. And then I met him for the first time up in Boston. We just like, oh, you told me about this. Yeah. yeah. And he just got back from a, we just got back from a trip to Epcot and he was there. Oh, he was the one that you met in uh, your rotation. Yep. Is he in med school? Nope. No, he's in the military. (laughs) But, um, so that was not only like a way for me to unwind is what I'm trying to say. Like it was a really good way for me to unwind and basically turn my brain off or turn like other parts of it on rather. But it was another, it was a really good way of connecting with people, reconnecting with someone who I had been friends with previously and bolstering that connection and also completely creating a new connection, which has found to, which has been found to be like pretty strong. So totally agree with like the social interaction like doing something social because for me that's video games believe it or not yeah and i know yeah. people listening to this some are going to be like no way and some will be like i get it you know yeah so that's i'm definitely but we're both very extra video games that is or true. social whatever you want to call it yeah so some people might not might, might not take to that idea but um rob and i are both like we we really we, we talk a lot we like to hang out with people and stuff like that. We get a lot of through out of that. And so yeah. having a hobby that was fun and social is, is like a, is an obvious guaranteed choice. win. Yeah. Guaranteed yeah. win. And I hate being social. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack is a hermit. <laughs> what about you, Jackie? What kind of hobbies would you, she's got bacon. Yeah. I've already talked about mine. It's just me in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you, do you have any like social things or are you more kind of? She's a baker. You just baker. Me and the flour. No, I'm, I have <laughs> friends. I, I, I do stuff with my. No, friends. I know that. I meant like in terms of hobbies. Did you have any like social hobbies throughout med school or just? I don't think I had as many like dedicated social hobbies. I mean, I I chat with my my kind of existing friends, and that's kind of mostly what I do. Which is very just super social. And that's yeah. okay. <laughs> what about you, Jack? Um, play with my dog. Hang with my girlfriend occasionally do things with people of my class <laughs> yeah. um, but for the most part you know i like just having lazy days play video games and just chill out yeah, that sounds like a very well-rounded way to practice wellness yeah the wellness zeal is real wellness very so, zealous for wellness it's very zealous for wellness <laughs> so just to recap um, you know, wellness comes in all different shapes, sizes, um, personalities. A lot of it is recognizing your own sources of wellness. Um, you know, looking for upperclassmen for advice on how they approach wellness and, you know, seeing what personalities you align with to tailor your own approach to wellness. Um, thank you all for listening to this podcast and, uh, you guys have any closing remarks? No, I guess just, um, you know, understand that wellness doesn't have to mean like finding the rainbows and butterflies places. You can just find wellness in what you're doing right now. In your own heart. Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, it's kind of like what Josh was saying. Like, you got to really like what you're doing. And in that way, that's already a form of wellness. So. 
All right. Thank you. That's good with me. Thank you all. Have a great day.